the tiny little design flaw is that because our brain also likes things very black and white, it likes things on repeat, it likes to do things the way we've always done them, that when you experience something that is in conflict with something you already believe, your subconscious alerts that to be danger as well and gives you the same fight, flight, freeze response. So if it's like, I'm not happy in my marriage, it's really unfulfilling, or my job is terrible and I can't believe I've dedicated 10 years of my life to this, I need to make a change, whatever it is, as soon as you start to make that change, you get this rampant, this like flood or this wave of fear. And that's what it is. It's like, somehow this conflicts with my belief of what's already true. And my NLP work allows me to work with individuals and be like, what the hell is this belief that your mind is hanging on to? How do we soothe that fear and release it so that you are actually allowed to move on without that belief that's been holding you back? I'm Casey Main, author, writer, and party girl turned spiritual junkie. And I'm dedicated to helping you better understand the most important and most complicated relationship you'll ever be in, the one you have with yourself. It's the only relationship that you're in for the entirety of your time here, and it affects every single aspect of your life. Yet it is the one most often overlooked. This podcast is here to help you explore that relationship. Get to know yourself so you can accept yourself, heal yourself, and become a better version of yourself. So let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Better You Podcast. I am your host, Casey Main. As always, thank you so much for being here. I love that you guys are choosing to tune into this podcast and spend some time with me. I'm, as always, very excited for this conversation, but today is a really fun one. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that I have a pretty deep philosophical, spiritual side to me. And absolutely so does today's guest. So we talk about some pretty like heavy, deep stuff, but just in like a casual, just chatting with a friend type of way, which is what I really enjoy because I think sometimes these deeper, more spiritual and kind of, uh, philosophical and like mindset type conversations can be had in these really dull ways. And that doesn't have to be the case. And and so you'll see, this is just, it's a fun conversation, but we really cover some like super important and, and deep topics. So I'm excited for you guys to listen and hear what you think about it. A couple other previous episodes, if you do like today's conversation, um, some of the past ones that I would recommend, cause they're similar in that we cover some deep mindset and maybe some spiritual stuff, but in a casual and fun way, I would recommend episode 63 Eastern philosophy and living meditation for your life with Dr. Janelle Kim episode 59. The spiritual journey isn't meant to be fast or easy with Morgan Garza episode 55, recognizing and replacing your fear-based habits with Kate Swoboda. And then this is a really good one. Episode 54, consciously choosing to change your life with Dr. John Chuback. We talk a lot about the subconscious mind, which is something that comes up in today's conversation as well. So those are some previous episodes that I think you all will enjoy if you haven't listened to them yet and you really enjoyed the topics we cover today. 
As far as next week on the show, this is so exciting. So we have Brandy Harvey, as in one of Steve Harvey's daughters, who I just, I love him. I think he's hysterical, but she's got her own incredible work and her own journey. She has founded Beyond Her. She also hosts the Beyond Her podcast, and she is the author of the book, Breakthrough Sold Separately, Get Out of the Boat of Mediocrity and Walk on Water. So I am just super excited to chat with her. That is like a really really fun guest as is today's. So let's go ahead and learn a little bit more about Lise Wilcox. She is a transformational mindset and success coach, podcast host, motivational speaker, author, single mom of three and breast cancer survivor. She employs a technique called emotional alchemy, which integrates neuro-linguistic programming and emotional freedom technique to help other high potential women to unleash their authentic selves. Lise has appeared on the Toronto Star, Thrive Global, TEDx, Forbes, HGTV, Now Magazine, and more. Her podcast, To Call Myself Beloved, is ranked as a top 50 self-improvement podcast in five countries, and she has a new book out titled To Call Myself Beloved. And in this episode, we discuss how the belief in something bigger can help make sense of all of our struggles, take control of our lives, and find more compassion for others the pivotal moment in her life that woke her up and changed everything, how the process of growth is messy and never linear, what neuro-linguistic programming is and how it can help us understand our brain and transform our lives, why we have to process our past in order to move forward, how to use our feelings as feedback to heal and grow, the intersection of accepting yourself and working to better yourself, which is something I totally struggle with, why we are all here and what the true purpose of life is, at least what we think it is, the power of intentionally sitting in positive moments and feelings when they happen, the importance of finding a self-reflection practice that feels good for you and allowing that to change as you and your life change, and finally, why we all need to come back home to ourselves and learn to trust ourselves again. So that is it, a short intro for today, because I definitely just want to jump into this conversation. Be sure to check out the previous episodes. If you haven't listened to those already, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss next week's episode. Don't mind my neighbor's dog barking in the background, if you can hear that. And thank you all again so much for listening. We're going to go ahead and jump into this conversation with Lise. start with some backstory just so we can all get to know you a little bit more because you've got this new book out and you're kind of all over the place, including like Instagram story effects. Like I don't even know, or (laughs) photo effects. I don't even know how you do that. I saw that. I'm like, Oh wow. That's like a thing. Um, but I am not social media savvy by any means. Um, but then I know you're also a coach. And so have you, I'm going to assume you haven't always been in this work. So like, what's a little bit of the backstory and how you got into this? So I used to call myself a professional human, but because I'm an online service-based entrepreneur, 
that title is not SEO friendly and people don't actually look Google search for like professional humans to work with. So I had to take that title out. But that's uh, the worst part about Google and playing the SEO game is like, you can't be clever and funny, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Same here. And I want to work with people who have totally quirky senses of humor, who really appreciate that kind of like non-linear marketing. Yeah. Like saying I'm a professional human. I like that. It's the best, but you like, you can't search for it. And anyway, so, but that title is the most accurate title, right? Because every single experience in my life, I have managed to pull some kind of lesson from and turn it into something really beautiful and purposeful. Where that gets very interesting is that I have a background in education. And then I did a little bit of a foray into adult education. And, you know, after I had three kids in two years, I started writing a newspaper column. And that turned into this big social media presence because I wanted people to read that column. But I was also at the same time learning how to confront and heal from a very emotionally traumatic and abusive childhood. And then I got divorced and then I got breast cancer and I always was already running my own business as a solo parent of three. So suddenly you have this like compendium of life experience that I'm just very fortunate because I, I've learned how to trust myself and how to really commit Mm. to believing in myself that I've taken all of that and turned it into this like multi-platform business. So I love that. Um, and I feel like I, I could pick your brain on the business aspect for hours, but we won't go down that road because that's a, that's for a different podcast. Um, but I love that because I think that's a really good point that I even have to remind myself sometimes it's everything. And this is so cliche, but like everything happens for a reason, yeah. but like everything, if, if you view it from like a whole standpoint, yeah. like you can create whatever life it is that you want. And then when you do that, everything in your background, like makes sense on some level, even if it seems random and kind of all over the place at the time. Exactly. And, you know, I don't think there's a way of having this, this conversation without adding an element of spirituality. And I don't want to freak people out if this isn't for them. Just, you know, people are here for it. (laughs) We do some, we do some woo woo episodes on this show. So I, I highly doubt my listeners will be like, I'm out, but you know, it's such an important conversation to have because so many people have really lost connection with this belief in something bigger. And that's where life gets really painful. If you think it's all just chaos and it's, uh, and random, then it's really painful. If you can shift into this thinking of, okay, what if I could entertain the idea that I am an active co-creator of my life? Then what would this look like? You know, if you want to even zoom out even further and get like really woo into it, what if each of us had a plan before we even came into this world. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. Like what if everything that happens, we already agreed to. And because like from a mindset perspective, because we don't know, like we don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you get to choose what you believe. And I got to tell you from personal experience, it is a lot more fun to believe the latter because all of a sudden, if I wrap my head around the fact and you can just entertain the idea that I already consented to each of these experiences happening, it puts me back in the driver's seat and it allows me to make different choices that are informed from a much uh, different perspective and deeper place that allow me to not only have my past make sense, but it also allows me to find compassion for the people who hurt me so deeply. It Mm -hmm. allows me to 
level up my forgiveness for those same people and for myself for going along with it. And suddenly you get to this like heightened state of deep inner peace just because of a couple of shifts you chose to make in your, in your perspective. Okay. I love this conversation so much okay, already. And we're like four minutes in. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, <laughs> because everything you just said, I'm like, yes. Um, question though, like, have you always been spiritual or do you have a background? Are you recovering from an organized religion? Like what have you always? That's a like, great question. Has, yeah. I grew up a staunch atheist and my, wow. I, oh man. And my family was so anti-belief and like they're so cynical and so judgmental. And I believed that for so long. And, you know, my, in the book, I described waking up from my own life. And that was, I guess it was a spiritual awakening and it was a lot of other things too. But what came with this decision to stop, like going through the motions and sleepwalking through my life and just doing things the way I'd always done them came with it, this like unfolding process of, Oh man, guys, there's so much more happening than what, than what meets the eye. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is where like we, we start to be, we start to have very similar stories, mm. um, wrapped in different circumstances, mm -hmm. but similar in the aspect of, um, cause I know you talk about in your book and I've heard you talk about this in interviews and stuff that, you know, uh, by all definitions, like you had a great life. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I, would, I would say yeah. perfect life. Perfect. Okay. So yeah. I wouldn't have gone that far, but I had a great <laughs> life. But then you kind of have this this wake up moment, which a similar thing happened to me. And then that begins the unraveling process and the spirituality and, and all that stuff. So tell us about like, what was your wake up moment? Oh, for sure. So for me, you know, first of all, I grew up in a very perfect environment, but from the outside, it was a hundred percent perfect. Like my dad was a physician, really, really respected in our community. Like everything just looked this perfect picture perfect illusion. And, you know, fast forward to being an adult, it was the same thing. I had this like seven bedroom century home. We had half an acre of property. If I craned my neck just the right way, I could see Lake Ontario, like one of the great lakes. I had these three incredible children. That was not an illusion. They just are incredible. You know, I had this <laughs> husband who would make a latte for me every day. And I remember lying on the floor of our like family room, looking at my freshly renovated kitchen, like a $30,000 reno. I'm looking at 60 square feet of Carrera marble. It's exposed brick. I'm just looking at all this perfection. And I had this gut-wrenching moment of like, oh shit, this isn't enough for me. Followed very quickly by, uh-oh, if this isn't enough for me, then what the hell is wrong with me? And something that's become like a healing narrative in my own life is that I get these deep moments of healing while I'm lying on the floor. And this was the first moment I'm like lying there on the floor thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? And why isn't this enough? And I, it was like, I got this download or this message from, you know, you can say God, you can say inner wisdom, higher self, whatever you want to call it. I got this message and it was like, this isn't enough for you because you are not enough for you. Mm -hmm. And that began this cascade of events, starting with the almost impossible decision to leave my marriage mm -hmm. and really start tapping into what I, the person want, instead of what every other person wanted from me. 
Uh, okay. So that, I feel like maybe that line actually exists in my book. Like that's how like, similar <laughs> oh my gosh. Are. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> I know. And it's so crazy. That's why I love to talk to people who've had a, a similar experience. Yeah. But okay. Prior to that moment, did you feel unfulfilled, disconnected? Were you aware of any negative feelings or did that kind of moment come out of nowhere? Like what did, what did your internal state look like leading up to that? This pervasive feeling of sadness. Um. And it was the kind of sadness that was like a dull ache. And I remember thinking that, um, you know, every time I would start to feel that sadness, I would either create a problem that I could then solve. So I still felt like I was in control of it. Or more accurately, I would throw a party. I would Mm. get super drunk. It would be totally socially acceptable because we're allowed to do that. I would overspend like crazy. I would buy all kinds of clothes. I would change my look again. I would plan an elaborate vacation. Like I would reach and reach and reach and reach and reach and reach until one day it was like, dude, it's not working. Like all of the reaching has stopped. I actually started to get a couple of panic attacks, which I had never experienced before. And suddenly it was like, oh, shit, like something drastic has to change. And I know, I know what it was. And for me, it was like, I had been avoiding facing the reality that my marriage was not a good marriage. And it was so hard because I value marriage. Like I intend to get married again. And when I took those vows, I took them so seriously. And so to break that commitment was an actual opposition to my internal values and my own belief system. Mm -hmm. And to live within the the confines of those commitments was more painful. And it was like, I have two awful decisions in front of me. I'm going to choose the slightly less awful one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how long ago was this? Almost exactly five years. Okay. Then what was your, what was your process then next? Cause I mean, that's, like, what was your unra- un- unlayering or unraveling process? Did you kind of bounce back and forth between, okay, I'm committed to figuring myself out and, you know, the self-work and the, and the self-love, or did you have moments where you kind of went back to, I'm sad and I'm just going to kind of like drink it away? Because I, I found that like I had this wake up moment and then made all these big decisions, but then struggle to stick to that mm. and maybe still do sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that... You're a very good question asker. <laughs> a lot of things I've like, actually never been asked this before. So it's like, okay. So for me, it was very layered. And I really like to use the analogy of a spiral. You know, so often we are taught <gasps> yes. this ladder model, right? Like you do achieve, you do achieve, you do achieve, you get to the top, bam, success. Um, even at school, it's like you learn a fact, you learn another fact, you climb up a fact, you know another fact. Like you just keep going in this linear fashion. But I don't know about you, like nothing works like that. <laughs> nothing oh really God, works like that. Except for maybe a Starbucks reward card. But I mean, other than that, like nothing works like that. So for me, I think it was this spiral of I knew what I had to do. And for me, it felt like I was pressing this detonator on my life. So it's like, okay, step one, press the detonator. Step two, mm-hmm. wait for this explosion to clear. Step three, allow all the pieces to settle and then start rebuilding. So, you know, go uh, through the rubble of this explosion and start finding pieces that can still fit and then find pieces that don't really work anymore and get rid of them. But in that process, I had been a stay-at-home mom. Like I took this hiatus from my career and all of a sudden I had like minimal financial support. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden I had to create a career for myself. 
but I also had 80% of the custody of my three children who were all under five. So I was like, okay, I wonder how I'm going to do this. <laughs> so it was this layered process of like healing and grieving, healing and grieving, healing and grieving. But because I had so much responsibility heaped on my plate, there was no choice but to do it. Right. That doesn't, I had like a ton of feelings and a lot of processing that needed to happen. Um, but that was the only way, like the only way out was through for me. There was no choice to be like, I actually can't do this. So interestingly, what I was really looking for in that time didn't exist. What I was looking for was this like instruction manual of, okay, cool. I have to love myself, but like, what the hell does that actually mean? And Mm -hmm. that's the book that I just wrote. I wrote this self-love manifesto based on years of experience and at least 50 grand, if not more in healing modalities, further education. You know, if you total up the losses that I took from all kinds of uh, decisions that I made that placed my inner peace above my finances, it's probably closer to like $150,000 I invested. Right. Yeah. And so I think that I pieced it together through all these different healing modalities and experiences and, and decisions and eventually got to this place where I just felt so secure and accepting of who I am that it's like, that's, that's just the way life is now. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about your book and what, what is vastly different from mine. Mine is just the memoir manifesto part without any like instruction or guidance or, or any strategy or training into how to actually, you know, address this kind of stuff. So I think that's like a really great combination of helpful yet also very vulnerable. It's so vulnerable, but it's so action oriented. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I may regret saying this later, but when when I get so many comments on Instagram that people are like, Oh my God, you're so inspiring. Like I'm so inspired by you. And increasingly I'm like, don't be inspired by me. Like go and take action, like quit taking (laughs) inspiration, go and take action. And for me, I'm Dutch. I'm a Taurus. I'm like so ridiculously practical and pragmatic that for me, it has to be action oriented. And that also is my business. So of course the book takes all my personal experience and really lays out in this actionable way. Here's what I was looking for. Here's how I felt. Here's what I did. And now here's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you're trained in, um, I always mess up neuro linguistic programming, right? Yes. Okay. So I've always wondered, I have a very, very vague understanding of what that is. Like, what is it? It's basically a user's manual to the mind. You know, you can imagine like you get Ikea furniture and it's like, take this screw and put, take this piece of wood and turn it five times. And there you go. NLP is like getting the user's manual to how our mind works in terms of our, how our behaviors are affected by our thoughts and how big underline here, how our thoughts are affected by our beliefs. And then we have this access through what really feels like a guided meditation to go into the subconscious mind and figure out where did that belief come from? You know, Mm -hmm. um, and then we release it or we learn whatever lesson we need to learn from it. And then we release it. The, The function of the subconscious mind is to really alert you to danger in your environment. So when your subconscious mind is doing this like constant sweep of your environment, when it sees a bear coming towards you, it's your subconscious. that's like, Hey dude, you got to get out of here. Like a bear is coming to kill you. And it reacts with fight, flight, or freeze. The tiny little design flaw is that because our brain also likes things very black and white, 
It likes things on repeat. It likes to do things the way we've always done them. Mm -hmm. That when you experience something that is in conflict with something you already believe, your subconscious alerts that to be danger as well and gives you the same fight, flight, freeze response. So if it's like, I don't, I'm not happy in my marriage. It's really unfulfilling or my job is terrible and I can't believe I've dedicated 10 years of my life to this. I need to make a change, whatever it is. As soon as you start to make that change, you get this rampant, this like flood or this wave of fear. And that's what it is. It's like somehow this conflicts with my belief of what's already true. And my NLP work allows me to work with individuals and be like, what the hell is this belief that your mind is hanging on to? How do we soothe that fear and release it so that you are actually allowed to move on without that belief that's been holding you back? And there's so much on the internet, as I know you've already experienced, like there's so much misinformation that's like, oh, just think it and it'll become true. No, mm-hmm. we are missing a crucial step here, which is to look at the belief, figure out where it came from, where it's being held, what you need to learn from that message so that you can psychologically feel safe and able to move forward with a different thought and then put a different behavior into action. Okay. So that's interesting because I, and this conversation has come up with several guests in the past on, and and people have varying beliefs on kind of what do you do with your past and Mm -hmm. we call it childhood trauma or, or whatever. And cause some people, a lot of therapy dives deep into that, you know, mm-hmm. and so you spend a lot of time trying to understand that. Um, sometimes I think people more on the spiritual realm are like it, it ultimately, it doesn't matter because change only happens in the present. Like, you know, the present is the only thing that's real, blah, blah, blah. And so I've kind of come to this place that I think the value in looking at and analyzing your past is to understand how you got to where you are. Yeah. So you can then move forward, but I've never heard a position like you just did of like, so our brain with all its crazy wiring Mm -hmm. and whatever feels safe to like, let go of that thought. I like that, that way of looking at it. That's why I'm glad that really resonates for you. Cause like, this is the way (laughs) this just, this just is how it works. And, um, I'm so contextual. I'm so granular that for me, this has been such a fascinating place to niche down into because it actually creates change. So absolutely change happens in the present and you can't unlearn or you can't unexperience what happened in the past. So I agree that this whole experience on earth is about coming to know yourself, right? It's just Mm -hmm. coming to know yourself and be able to come home to yourself safely and so lovingly. So for me, this opportunity to go back and be like, okay, here's what happened in the past. Um, Again, big underline. This is how it felt. This is the story that came out of it, or this is what I learned. Now in my present, is that serving me? Is it still keeping me safe? Mm. Or now is it something that's holding me back? And chances are, you know, things like imposter syndrome, people pleasing, perfectionism, that that lingering self-doubt that's like, man, I'm so accomplished. I make six figures a year. How do I still not feel like this is enough? That's the big red flag of like, okay, okay. If our feelings are just feedback and that feedback is giving us constant insight as to what still needs to be healed, then we can trace it like this emotional vine that's growing somewhere. We can trace that down 
to the very root, figure out what the hell happened when we were little, learn the lesson, detach from the painful emotion, and heal ourselves forward so that we can actually then carry on with co-creating this awesome present and future. Okay. I love that question about that. Cause this, there's a couple places in all of this, you know, mindset, spiritual, personal development work where I get tripped up and it's mm-hmm. kind of sitting in the middle of these like dualities that I know we're supposed to just be able to accept both, but my brain and our brains don't really want to do that. So I'm with one, you. <laughs> like you just mentioned that we look at like our feelings. Yeah. <laughs> if we look at our feelings as kind of insight into what hasn't been healed yet. So that's like exposing a wound and more work we need to do. So that's like on one hand. And yes, I, I believe that, but then living life within this world, I think we also like, I don't know that I'm in touch with say anger. And I think that's something a lot of women Mm -hmm. struggle with because we're kind Mm -hmm. of taught to be sad instead of angry and that kind of stuff. Cause I think our feelings can also be red flags that we actually are being treated incorrectly or something isn't right. So like, where's the middle in that? Or is the always kind of taking it to the external? Well, I think, I think what you're saying is it's all the same. And I love that you, like, I love, love, love that you brought up the example that girls aren't really allowed to be angry. Um, I'm raising three girls. And so I'm so hyper aware of this, that sadness that I described that I had felt this pervasive sadness that I was carrying around through my own healing modalities. Like when I was hiring coaches and therapists, um, I came to realize that I was, you know, when you look at a painting and you see like, let's say the color purple, Mm -hmm. you look at it and you're like, Oh, that's that purple is so nice. Like what a nice painting. You don't stop and think to yourself, Oh, that purple is so nice. I love the combination of blue and red that went in in these different proportions to create this cool color. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like nobody looks at a painting that way. You're right. Yeah. And our feelings are the same way. So many, many times because we have such an absence of an emotional education or, you know, we have these totally bizarre expectations of what our emotional health looks and feels like. So often we have a feeling like in my case, it was sadness. So I kept treating sadness. It was like, okay, cool. What do I have to do to make myself feel happy? And I wasn't digging through that deep enough until later when I realized, oh shit, I'm not sad. I'm fucking angry and I'm really resentful. And it wasn't until I had that breakthrough moment at this deep unconscious level using NLP that I got to actually, I felt like I had unlocked this new level in a video game. It was like, Oh my God. Okay. Now I can address what resentment feels like. Where did that come from? And Oh man, that's anger. And boy, is that ever intense? And I've never experienced this. How do I address this? So I think like what I'm hearing from what you're saying, it's all the same thing. It's just that we, you know, my tagline, but which is ultimately my life purpose is to change the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, how do you actually feel? Not how did somebody tell you to feel? How do you think you're supposed to feel in this moment? How you should feel, but like, how do you actually feel? And that is such an absent conversation for most of us until we're about 40, if not older. Uh, So yeah, I just had like, a little bit of an aha moment because even with the, with the purple is actually like blue and red. So then I'm thinking, okay, even the question I asked you, I've, I made it an either, or 
like I'm creating the duality when maybe it's all just both. It's, it's that spiral. It's not, it's not either, or it is both. And but you mm-hmm. can be experiencing them at different times. Right. Yes. i love so much that you keep bringing up spiral. I, part of my <laughs> whole thing is I had this weird obsession or probably still do with the Fibonacci spiral oh, like, yeah. to the point where I have it tattooed on the back of my neck. Oh, and like, so I think, yeah, like spiral is very <laughs> much growth. Um, okay. All right. So then I have a couple more of these big, what I tend to see as dualities, but maybe they're not and kind of how we work through them. And so I think, you know, being in this space of personal development. And so people who listen to this obviously are people who are interested in bettering themselves, understanding themselves, all that stuff, all the self work. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's a difficult line to walk between, okay, yes, I want to better myself, mm-hmm. but I also accept myself exactly as I am. Yes. Oh God. This is the best conversation. <laughs> like, so what you just did is you just crept up into my mind and now we're like having brunch up there because like <laughs> I, I think about this all the time. I'm very self-reflective and because like no joke, I love what I do. I'm so passionate about it. And so I want to constantly ensure that I am offering like the best of what I can offer. And so a lot of that involves like to a certain degree, overthinking some of this stuff. Yep. And so for me, you know, there's this notion of, hang on a second, is this the pursuit of happiness or is this the happiness of pursuit? And if I can say to somebody, like, all you have to be, all you have to do is be yourself. There's so much flaw, like there's so much, um, goodness in that, but it's so flawed in a lot of ways too. Cause it's like, but don't be yourself if who you are is somebody who's like, you're really unhappy with. So I think that they work in tandem as well. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, I can't, I'm so embarrassed. Like it's an, it's an ancient philosopher who said, know thyself, but I can't remember if it was, maybe it was Plato. I can't remember now. And I feel like it's something I should know. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah, I've definitely heard that. I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to know. One of the old guys, like the old Greek guys. And that's what he said. Know thyself. And so I think, too, when we step away from that duality and we step back into like, nope, we are only on this voyage to discover who we are. And I think who you are at your core, at like a soul level, for example. I think that is the same, but you also evolve and you reiterate so many times in your life. You you expand, right? You grow Mm -hmm. and you flow. And it's like, yes, your light remains the same at its core. But I think as we keep growing and we keep expanding, it's like that light gets brighter and more or like less translucent. And I think that's how you reconcile to both love yourself exactly as you are and be on this very peaceful and forward-moving quest of coming to know yourself better. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of goes back to like what you said in the beginning, which I love this con. If, if you're able to zoom out and then we're going to get a little bit spiritual here, but kind of think maybe what if like I agreed to everything that was going to happen here? Like I signed up for this for this little ride here in earth school, as Oprah calls it, which which I believe that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've mentioned this book probably 87,000 times on this podcast, but Mm -hmm. after reading many lives, many masters, which just blew my mind and I'm like, Oh my God. But it, 
it, it was kind of a little bit of that teaching of, you know, we came from somewhere else. Yeah. We're here to learn and to know ourselves and learn both sides of every coin, the good, the bad. And so then if we agreed to everything that was going to happen, uh-huh. we knew everything that was going to happen. And so, yes, we have free will while we're here because uh-huh. we've lost that awareness, but like ultimately it is kind of all planned out. Yeah. So sometimes that helps me not get in this place of, you know, constantly wanting to grow and change without accepting where I am. But then I think sometimes I use that as an excuse to like watch Netflix all day. (laughs) Call me anytime. I've got like, (laughs) I saw in your story the other day, you were watching the office and I was like, ah, that's like, I've rewatched that entire series. (laughs) Oh, twice during COVID. Uh, And also million dollar beach house. Just saying. I love that we can go from like, was it Plato or Socrates who said, dude, yeah, and then- I just binge watched my dollar beach house. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's some duality right there. <laughs> okay. So I agree with you. I agree with you. And what's, you know, I really believe that one of the, one of the secrets of life is to create as much joy as you possibly can. Right. Cause like, you know, if we take it from a Buddhist angle, life is suffering and even mm-hmm. further, nothing is good or bad. It just is. So when you inflect a lot of joy or when you create a lot of joy into your life, it, it's such a lightener that it makes everything easier and it allows you to be so much more curious and not like intellectually or academically curious, just curious. And it's mm-hmm. so childlike and it's so fun. So for me, it's like, okay, so my mom left my stepmother abused me. My dad didn't give a shit. I got into a marriage I shouldn't have been in. The divorce was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Then I got breast cancer. At a certain point, you have two choices. And I have weighed out these choices very, very, very often in my life. Do I choose to see my life as a Kafka novel where I'm the beetle and I'm stuck on my back and no matter what I do, I'm not getting out of this? Or do I choose this path of like, you know what? I don't know why this is happening, but let's entertain the idea that I did. Like, let's entertain the idea that there is some purpose, that this is leading me to some place of enlightenment or some kind of cosmic reward or just what is this, what gift is this bringing me that I can then let abundance flow through me and use that to serve others? Because we don't have a finite answer, frankly, it's just more fun to believe that maybe I had some say in this. And when I can approach it with more curiosity and more joy, like you said it, like it just gets more fun and it just becomes a lot more enjoyable to be here. Yeah, that's, that's such a good, um, reminder of, it does all come down to the experience and experiencing joy. And so Mm -hmm. like, um, an inner bliss, like that was a, I had like a really kind of weird or really cool moment. You know how sometimes you get into, I guess, I think we all do like before you, right before you fall asleep, you're in like a very meditative Uh state, but you don't always necessarily realize it. Uh And I had one of those moments and I think I was like, I think I asked myself a question before I went to bed, hoping, you know, that I'll have some insight in the morning. Uh And I think I'd asked myself like, why am I here? Cause I was feeling 
unsure about what direction I was moving in, whether it was with my writing or with this podcast. Like I was just feeling insecure, imposter syndrome, all that stuff. And so I'm like, why am I here? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And and I'm like nodding off to sleep. And then I swear, this is the only time this has happened to me. Like this, I want to say it was a voice, but it was like in my own head, but like kind of came out of nowhere. And it was like to find inner bliss. Mm. And I like get goosebumps as I say that. And it's like, I, I forget that so many times. And it's so easy to forget that as you go through the day and you have all the emails and the texts and the conversations and just life. Mm -hmm. But then ultimately, if we're here for the experience and we want it to be a good experience, and if we can kind of just constantly remember that, and and I guess it comes down to like awareness too. So if I'm choosing to sit and watch Netflix all day, because my body and my mind just needs that rest Mm -hmm. and that will bring me joy. That's one thing versus I've got a lot of other stuff I need to do that I'm avoiding and I'm just feeling sorry for myself. And so I don't know, it's just like so multi-layered, but Mm -hmm. I, I, that's such a good point that it's, it's joy and it's inner bliss. And that's what we should be chasing Yeah, or or not chasing embodying. embodying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and yeah, and I, um, I get like so personally offended by this cult, this Instagram culture. Like I'm a big fan of Instagram and I've literally built my business on Instagram, but there's this dark side of this constant chatter and this constant noise of people who do not understand what they're talking about, but they make it seem like they're talking, they know what they're talking Mm -hmm. about. And they take words like bliss and they're like, find your bliss. Like you are a goddess. And it's like, that's cool. We have to educate people on what that really means, though. You know, you know that a part of that coming home to yourself, a part of that finding this deep bliss, it's not like you click your heels three times and then bam, you've got bliss and it's a permanent state. Like these things come to us in moments. And I think that gaming the system means understanding that it's all just moments. So when you have that moment of bliss, really embrace it, like really savor it. And then when you have another moment of bliss, same thing, like really sink into the experience of having that moment. And ultimately, while you're going through life and you're still having lineups at the grocery store and some ass will still cut you off in traffic and oh my God, your ex-boyfriend or whatever popped into the woodwork and he's being a total dick again, like embrace those moments too and be so open and honest about your feelings so that you can actually appreciate and acknowledge this emotional body and this emotional experience you're having ultimately you come to a place where through feeling your feelings and healing all the old stuff you get to have more of those moments of bliss and they happen in closer succession to one another so that it feels like a longer or like extended state right yeah it does and it's just you're right it is it is all about like sitting in those moments mm-hmm. because we don't like we're instead we we look at them almost as like like some kind of drug that it's like you feel it and then you want to go find another yes. one instead of like just sit in that one yes like for for a 3 seconds even yeah. like there it's so fleeting and i think that's I don't know. That's one of the interesting things about life is those, those joyful, those blissful, truly joyful moments are, are so fleeting yet. The bad ones like just stick to Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until you consciously allow yourself to like self-reflect and be like, okay, what am I actually feeling? 
what is the story that I'm telling myself? Where did this come from? Is the story true? Is it serving me? Can I let it go? Like when you get more into that habit of really being in self-dialogue, it becomes easier to process that. And then you're, I always say to clients, like your reverberation time gets shorter and shorter. Cause like you still feel it. You still get caught up and you're like, Oh God, what an asshole. And then you're like, Oh, well, you know? Yeah. How do you typically recommend people work through some of this stuff? Like all, um, within our heads or, or talking to someone like you, or do you recommend journaling, meditation, breathing exercises, like, or all of it? Like, what do you usually find that works for people? I think it depends on the person. I'm so lifestyle friendly or like my orientation is towards being lifestyle friendly because I'm a solo parent of three and I'm self-employed. Like I just want what is, what's going to work with my life. Mm -hmm. And as soon as, I don't know, there's like this inner rebel in me that as soon as I hear, I have to journal every day. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, but as soon as I hear like, and I have meditations that people can go to YouTube and get, but as soon as I hear like, Oh, you have to meditate every day. I'm like, freak that noise. I'm not meditating. Even though I know it's so good for me. And so from my perspective, I think you do what feels really good for you. Um, as an example, I only work with clients one-on-one for six months because I think you need that good solid period of time to be in a space with someone so that you can navigate the ups and downs of, of life and still have that extended time to really work together and solve and, and solve through it. Um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, med- there's no question that meditating is really good unless meditating feels like a chore and then you don't want it to, you know, yeah. it's like drinking eight glasses of water a day. All of us know that we have to do that. Very few of us actually do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think whatever works for you and complements your values and aligns with what works for your life ultimately you're going to get the most success from whatever practice feels really good. And that will change too. You know, it might feel really good to meditate or to do creative visualization, for example, just before bed. And just after you wake up, that might feel really good for a year. And then you might might not feel good anymore. And I think part of that growth and expansion process is recognizing you keep getting different. <laughs> you keep changing. Yeah. And so it's okay to let your practice evolve with your evolving needs. Yeah. I love that. Cause it, it honors the individuality mm-hmm. of all of us. And it also honors like there are phases and seasons yeah. of life. Yeah. So it, when you're in the season of life where you have several small children, like, no, you're probably not finding 20 minutes to meditate every day, then 10 minutes to journal and five minutes to write down things you're grateful for. And like all this stuff. And then people start talking about bulletproof coffee and I lose my mind because I'm like, no, (laughs) like, please take it away from me. (laughs) I did go through a bulletproof coffee thing. (laughs) But yeah, it just, it gets overwhelming. It gets, and and that goes that actually is a, a great segue into my next question. I think this is something we all struggle with because there is so much information out there and which is which can be great. It really can be great. And there are all kinds of inspiring people doing amazing work and it's all wonderful. But that's also a lot of external noise. Mm-hmm. So like how do we decipher, okay, what is an expectation I'm placing on myself because I think it's what I'm supposed to do Mm -hmm. or what other people are doing or what my family or friends Mm -hmm. or society expects versus this just feels right to me. Well, that's exactly it. That's, this is such a mind bender because I think for me, it's all about connection. You know, you know, 
when you have a connection with somebody. You don't have to think about it. You just feel it. It just is. It just exists, right? So many of us have been uh, deconditioned or we've been taught and trained and programmed not to trust ourselves. So when you have this super combination of learning to not trust yourself, you've overridden your own system, your own like built-in security systems, right? And so part of what we're talking about is coming back home to yourself, learning how to listen to that little voice that pops up for all of us, learning how to trust it, learning how to feel it in your gut and think to yourself like, man, I don't know why I know this, but I know that I know this and I'm going to act on it. Not what a lot of people do is like, well, I can tell this is the right thing for me to do, but it might piss somebody off or somebody might judge me or it might be scary or it might feel icky so I'm not going to do it. Right. So the more you learn to cultivate this intuition, which we each naturally possess, you just have to mm-hmm. unlearn some layers to get back home to it. And you really rely on organic connection and feeling that you have with somebody, you're setting yourself up for success. Okay. So I want to close out with, um, I guess just, and I'm kind of like, I hate this question, but I think it's also like a really important one is what are some of, and I don't care if you have one or two or three of like the biggest, like most valuable takeaways from your book? It's 400, it's 386 pages. So let me just rifle through real quick. I honestly, I think the takeaway is what somebody told me when I was 29. And when she told me I got angry and only now can I look back and just really have so much compassion for that moment. But uh, you alone are enough. That's it. You don't, you don't need anything else. You already have what you need inside of you. And the rest of it is just about learning that and being comfortable with that. And I I tell you, like 10 years ago, that pissed me off. And now I'm like, how did I ever not know this was true? And so there's like, there's so much grace to be had in that space, but ultimately you alone are enough, period. Ah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. (laughs) I knew it was going to be a good one. It even exceeded my expectations. Um, Tell everyone where they can buy the book, find you, follow you, all that good stuff. You bet. So the hub for me is leasewilcox.com, L-E-I-S-S-E-W-I-L-C-O-X. And from there, you can get to my own top podcast. My book is available on site. It's also available on Amazon if it's easier for you. Um, Working with me is there. I have currently two courses that are available online for self-study. I'm working on two more that I'll be releasing in the next, I don't know, couple of months. So Lee's Wilcox for sure, for sure is the hub. Awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. You can also share it with friends, share it on your socials, all that good stuff helps us to grow the show. And I will just very much appreciate it. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss next week's episode and future episodes. And you can follow us on the socials at the better you podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I have started to go live on Instagram. Instagram when I record the show intros. So that's always 
that's just always kind of funny. Um, so if you want to see a little bit behind the scenes of how I do in recording the intros, it's not as smooth as a process as it might sometimes sound like it is. I mess up a lot and then I've got to edit all that out or have my audio guy edit all that out. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of a little fun, something I'm doing to show you a little bit more behind the scenes of me and how the show gets made. All right. So that is it. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week. 